A new breed of lawyers act like sheriffs in a previously lawless land. They have the badge, while marauders with six shooters roam the plains. Instead of weapons, these new sheriffs wield subclauses in statutes that no one much cares for. Theirs is an unappreciated and hazardous way of life. Law offers remedies that can stave off ecological collapse. However, laws are meaningless when not enforced, and a main thrust of this book is the story of enforcement, including the writing of laws and regulations that are enforceable. You cannot enforce invisible laws, and so it is important that readers come to know the laws that protect them. Most of the environmental laws that are effective today are new. Laws are as vulnerable as species and need their own safeguarding. So it is vital that all of us both know about them and value them. I learned to value the work of these lawyers and the fabric of laws that support life on Earth by wandering in as an outsider. James Thornton and I have shared a life for twenty-five years, so I have had a clear view of his environmental work from the domestic front. To tell the whole story, I had to muster critical detachment and enter the field. Chapters are in my voice as I lead you on that journey. James's essays draw from his experience as a frontline public interest environmental lawyer and interleave the chapters. They broaden into a moral dimension. I choose to say moral rather than philosophical, because moral combines deep reflection with action. The chief effect of this book is that it shows how rules govern behavior and provides evidence-based solutions to ecological crises. It was early morning on a stretch of Southern California coastline. Bright with sunshine and studded by palm trees, Santa Barbara is as tidy and clean as a Disney vision. Dowitchers and redshanks patter after the retreating waves, their beaks stabbing the sand for food. Brown pelicans fly low lines above the sea and stand beside the anglers on the pier. Oil platforms are visible from the shore, and beyond those lie the humps of the Channel Islands. Further still, gray whales ply the route between the feeding grounds off Alaska and their breeding sites in the Gulf of Mexico. James is alert to every nuance of nature, unless he's thinking. Today he was thinking hard. We had walked the beach down as far as the cliffs at one end, and now we were almost back to the pier. Public interest environmental law has some good recent history in America, and James was at the forefront of that. Now we had relocated to London, where he received a challenge: bring that legal aspect of the environmental movement to Europe. What should he call such a group? Names had come and gone. They all seemed lame or ponderous or already taken. You've often told me who your client is. I reminded him, "Your client is the Earth." That's what you say. He looked at me. What was I getting at? There's your name, I said, Client Earth. He gave me a maybe kind of smile. The name was interesting, but maybe too quirky for a serious law group. He looked out to sea. A small commotion was happening in the waves that lapped the beach beneath the pier. James stepped closer. A pigeon sat there. 
A white neck and head reached out of its grey body towards its grey crown. It blinked its eyes and shivered its wings. It was dying, yet painfully alive. A herring gull was stabbing its beak into the pigeon's head and body, snatching mouthfuls of living flesh. These gulls nest out on the Channel Islands and fly across the ocean to scavenge the land. James clapped his hands and shouted. The gull backed off a few yards, but waited. James picked the pigeon out of the water and wrapped it in his hands. The bird's heart beat fast and then calmed. The gull waited. James's eyes moistened. He breathed in, took the pigeon's neck in his right hand, and twisted. It was death, tough on James, but kinder for the pigeon than being eaten alive. James set its body down. Gulls.